The following program is recorded content created by The Truth Network. With all my heart, I believe it. A great awakening is coming to America. It's time for The Line of Fire with your host, activist, author, international speaker, and theologian, Dr. Michael Brown. Your voice of moral, cultural, and spiritual revolution. Michael Brown is the director of the Coalition of Conscience and president of Fire School of Ministry. Get into The Line of Fire now by calling 866-34-TRUTH. That's 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. Pastors, leaders, Believers, please hear me. I believe a great awakening is going to be coming to America. I believe that the Holy Spirit is going to be poured out all over the nation. I believe where God sees people who are hungry, who are thirsty, who are willing to bear the reproach of the name of Jesus, who are willing to welcome the Holy Spirit and his deep convicting and transforming work— I believe where God sees willing, open hearts, he is ready to move, and in fact is moving in many places. I do not believe it's too late for the nation, despite the miserable condition in which we find ourselves today. I believe God is stirring hearts even now. Welcome, friends, to the Line of Fire. This is Michael Brown. I'm going to tell you on this show, on this broadcast, why I believe you should take me seriously why I believe my words should carry weight for you as a witness in the body, as an elder in the body. I'll share that with you. If you want to weigh in, 866-34-TRUTH, 866-348-7884. If you can bear witness to the same, if you are also seeing God moving where there's hunger, where there's thirst, where there's desire, where there's a willingness to let God be God in our midst, by all means, I'd love to hear from you. Again, 866-34-TRUTH going to play a few clips from some years back that will stir your hearts and encourage you, share some quotes with you, share some of my own life story and testimony that will help you and bless you. But first, I need to sort some things out. I need to, to make a separation here because a lot of people are talking about a great awakening today, but they mean something very, very different. They're using the same terminology some of it is tied in with church-related things, but they mean something very, very different. Uh, let me just give you a number of book titles, okay? These are some of many books that have been written on this subject, especially up through late 2020. Okay, one of them is called this, Q and On. Q and On, an invitation to a great awakening. Hmm. QAnon, what's that got to do with Great Awakening? Uh, how, about, how about this book, title, QAnon and the Great Awakening? Yeah, people are talking about awakening, but they mean something very different. QAnon and the Great Awakening, the battle for earth and our souls, the awakening begins an enlightening analysis about what is wrong in our society. Uh, how, how about this one? Uh, an objective guide to understanding QAnon, the deep state, and related conspiracy theories, the Great Awakening explained. <clears throat> wow. This is a lot about QAnon and Great Awakening. Here, just a, a couple more illustrations. How about this one? QAnon, the complete guide to understanding conspiracy theories such as the deep state, the storm, and the Great Awakening that will make America great again. <clears throat> Yeah, how, how about this title? Y yet another. Friends, this is out there. 
a lot of people are talking about Great Awakening, but they mean something very different. So I, I want to say what I'm not talking about first and then say what I am talking about. How about this title? A Great Awakening is Coming. Yeah, Great Awakening is Coming, April 16th, 2020. And, and this one is about the awakening that I'm speaking of. This is written by my friend Mike Evans. And yes, this is the awakening I'm talking about, the spiritual awakening in contrast with the QAnon Great Awakening. I wrote an article, you can get it on my website, askdrbrown.org, and the title of the article is Q's Great Awakening versus God's Great Awakening. So for those who are not exactly familiar with what I'm talking about with Q's Great Awakening, let me take a minute and explain this and to say this is not what I'm talking about and then tell you what I'm talking about and encourage your hearts and, and let you know why you should take my words seriously. At least you should weigh them seriously. I'm not just speaking in the abstract here. So uh, Washington, uh, let's see, I think it was Washington Post was trying to summarize some of the Q-related things for people who weren't familiar. QAnon purports that America is run by a cabal of pedophiles and Satan worshipers who run a global child sex trafficking operation and that former President Trump is the only person who can stop them. The information so supposedly comes from a high-ranking government official who posts cryptic clues on 4chan's website and the even more unfettered site 8chan under the name Q. And then QAnon, these others, anonymously posting and so on and so forth. The post says it claims that the military, supposedly eager to see the deep state overthrown, recruited Donald Trump to run for the president. But the deep state, which controls the media, quickly tried to smear him through fake news and unfounded allegations of collusion with Russia. It goes on to insist that despite the deep state's best efforts, however, Mr. Trump is winning and that Q is releasing sanction links to the public in order to galvanize them ahead of, quote, the storm, which the moment when the deep state's leaders are arrested and sent to Guantanamo, uh, this is the moment when the deep state's leaders are arrested and sent to Guantanamo Bay. QAnon believers have called this process the great awakening. Okay, that's not what I'm talking about. That's bogus. That's mythological. That's conspiracy theory. Oh, yes, Trump rattled a lot of cages. And yes, Trump did take on what you would call the deep state. So those who had been long term in, in government and, and had their, their deep roots and insider connections and things like that. He rattled a lot of cages, no question about it. But most of this whole scenario here is a myth. And the military is not about to reinstall Donald Trump as president. It's not going to happen. And the more the so-called prophets keep telling you it's going to happen, the more they expose themselves as not being prophets at all. But that's not what I'm talking about when I speak of Great Awakening. Here are just some, some people describing it. Um, oh, let's see. Here we go. Someone's saying, yeah, yeah, I know it's coming. I know it's coming. Yes, time has been ticking, but God is working. Many have scoffed at the prophets of the nation simply because time has passed when God didn't promise the process would be quick and easy. In fact, he's doing a sellout checker to test and see he'll stick and stay. Come what may, he's building a strong and faithful army for the Great Awakening. They're talking about the QAnon Great Awakening. Forget about that. Forget about that. It's not going to happen. It's not on God's agenda. Yes, there's child trafficking and human trafficking. It's horrific. Grassroom Ministry School work against it. A church I'm close with works against it on a regular basis is, is seeing great victory and breakthroughs. By all means, we should be working against selling of children into sex slavery and pedophile trafficking and all that. Of course. But forget about the Q nonsense. Forget about it. 
Forget about looking to Trump to come back to save anything. No, no, no. The great awakening that we're looking for is one that God is going to send. And it's going to start with the church. It's going to start with bringing us to repentance. It's going to start with change coming to us. It's going to start with holy upheaval in our lives and us getting sin out and compromise out and indifference out and lethargy out and unbelief out. It's going to start with us. And from us, it will then flow to society. Okay, one more quote about the Q Great Awakening. While a lot is improving, it still puzzles many that most of these known criminals, right, Hillary Clinton, Barack Obama, Bill Clinton, others allegedly running the pedophile ring, a lot of these known criminals are still free, especially higher-ups like the Hillary Clinton, the Bushes, and Obama. That is coming in the next chapter of the story. That's why we have Q. The good guys with control over the NSA began the Q intelligence dissemination program to invoke an online grassroots movement called the Great Awakening. Forget about that. It's bogus. The whole thing is bogus. Q is bogus. Forget about it. Any of you still clinging to it, forget about it. It is a deception. It, it is a clever deception, but it is a deception and therefore from below and not from above. No, no, no. I'm talking about something that God sends from heaven by a spirit that shakes things within us. I'm talking about something that God does that brings to light the sin in the church. I'm talking about an outpouring like we've never seen and happening in many, many, many places all over America, all over the world, but I'm talking right now focused in America. When that happens in us, when true revival and true repentance comes to the church, out of that is a flood of evangelism to the lost. Out of that is an outpouring of love and compassion for the hurting. Out of that is a demonstration of power in the midst of a skeptical, mocking society. Out of that, the awakening of the church and the conversion of sinners and then real disciples made, not, not our 21st century American brand of disciples, which are not disciples at all, which are just in some kind of good business deal with Jesus, you know? Sign on the dotted line, get your sins forgiven, go to heaven and, and have a prosperous life. Sounds like a good deal. No, no, I'm talking about the ones that take up their cross and follow Jesus. I'm talking about the ones who joyfully sell everything they have, metaphorically speaking, so they can buy the treasure in the field. I'm talking about those who love Jesus more than father and mother, more than son or daughter. I'm talking about those who deny themselves and say, Lord, here I am, send me, use me. I'm talking about those that don't try to bypass the cross, but go to the cross themselves and die with Jesus and rise in newness of life. That's what I'm talking about. It's spiritual, it's glorious, and it affects everything around us. It affects the way we live, it affects the way we do business, it affects our marriages, it affects our personal conduct, it, it affects our kids, it affects all those around us. In fact, one of the most beautiful things that we saw happen in the days of the Brownsburg Revival was when parents who lived in the area coming to the church, they were concerned about their kids because their kids were on drugs or sleeping around or in gangs or whatever it was. And the parents were believers, but not that deeply committed. And, and, and they'd, they'd ask for prayer for their kids, and, and God would draw their kids in, and the next thing the kids would get saved, but the kids would get radically saved, wonderfully saved, beautifully saved, gloriously saved, transformatively saved. And, and now they were, they were convicting their parents. Now they were burning so bright 
that it exposed the compromise in the parents' lives. And now the parents needed to repent and really get right with God. It started with the parents being concerned about the kids, and the, cons- the kids were concerned about the parents, and all of them got on fire together. We saw this with our own eyes, friends. That's what we need. There, there is no cheap solution that's going to fix things. And, and yes, I care about who's in the White House, and I care about who's in Congress, and I care about who's in the Supreme Court. I care about all those things. But ultimately, none of them are going to bring spiritual and moral transformation to the nation. It must start with an encounter with God and the church. It must start with you and me and him. And from there, things will flow out to the society. And yes, we have our political involvement and our social involvement, but it all starts with us and God. Friends, I'm telling you, a great awakening is coming. I'm going to really encourage you when we come back. Stay right here. Fire with your host, Dr. Michael Brown. Get into the line of fire now by calling 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. Thanks for joining us today, friends, as we talk about the coming awakening to America. You say, I've, oh, I've heard this for years. Well, we, we've had seasons of outpouring. We've had moves of God. I've experienced them myself, been in the midst of them, real and wonderful and glorious now it's time for this younger generation to experience God in this way. It's, it's time for those who've grown skeptical or wondered. It's, it's time for the fire to be lit afresh. It's time for those that were introduced to the gospel in a superficial way, whether they're saved at all or just counterfeit, God knows it's time for them to really encounter the truth, the life-changing, life-shaking truth of the gospel. If, if you see signs of this, if you're in ministry or out preaching or pastoring, or involved in different ways, and you see signs of this outpouring, you're seeing signs of God moving in the midst of, of hunger and thirst, give me a call, 866-34-TRUTH. And, and I'm hearing from pastors that I know, and even being in some of their meetings where something's going on. They're having to add extra services, and, and the altars are filled with people seeking God, and prayer meetings are packed, and there's hunger, and people are coming to faith. Something's going on, friends. Something's going on. Now's the time to press in, literally, like never before. So I'm going to give you the backstory a little bit later in the show to my involvement in the Brownsville Revival, and based on that, why you should weigh carefully what I'm saying today and don't just quickly dismiss it. But early on in the revival, there was a young lady named Charity, 13 years old, and sang this powerful song, Mercy Seat. And it became the theme song of the revival in that every night during the altar call for for years, several nights a week, Charity sang the same song. And I have to tell you, having been in, I don't know, 800, 1,000 services like this, that there was urgency every time. Every time she sang, every time there was an altar call, there was a sense of urgency. There was a sense of of souls hanging in the balance, of, of life and death issues, of of people who might get right with God that night and truly save from sin and save from coming judgment and live for him the rest of their lives and, and some who'd reject him and never come back. Every night we felt that sense of, of urgency. And Steve, as an evangelist, was passionately calling people to get right with God. So this is after one of his messages early on. And you know it's early on because they're not chairs filling the front. 
Uh, as the services got more packed, we had all these rows of chairs in the front. And when you give an altar call, the first thing people have to move either way, get rid of the chairs, and the ushers would take it from there. Uh, and it was when Charity is very young, probably about 13 years old here. But I, I just I want you to just get a test, a taste of that sense of urgency that was in the air as, as she sang Mercy Seat. And, and Steve urged people to come running to the Mercy Seat and get right with God. Let's, let's listen. Get up right now. Don't wait on anybody else. In the dark, come on. Where everything is unknown. I face the power of sin on my own. I did not know of a place where I, I need could go. Where I, need I could find a I way to heal. You say, what were people running to the altar for? To get blessed, to, to prosper, to have a better life? They were running to the altar to get right with God. They were running to the altar to say, God, I'm sorry for my sins. Forgive me. They were running to the altar either as Christians living in compromise or backsliders who were coming back to God or first-time converts. They were at the altars every night to the point that there were 300,000 different people. We know different people because everyone filled out a card and data was entered. 300,000 different people, plus God knows how many, probably a million or more just responded to the altar calls in general. But people's lives were changed. People were impacted. I believe in a thousand different ways, in a thousand different places, it's going to sound different. It's going to feel different, but it's going to be that same thing of fresh encounter with God and no more playing games. Playing games with church has got us in a real mess here in America. The, the church becoming like the world rather than the church changing the world. It's got us in a real mess in America today, and it's especially difficult for our kids growing up. I say our kids would be grandkids in my case. Especially difficult for the younger generation. God is going to visit. There's been prayer. There's been crying out. For many, many years, some around the clock for years and years, people saying, God, visit us again. Visit us again. Just saw a testimony posted on Facebook from my colleague Keith Collins who's got great books on revival and a powerful preacher of revival. One of my colleagues here at FIRE and uh, grad from our ministry school, then became faculty at our school. He just posted wherever he's ministering, he's seeing a fresh stirring. Something's happening. Let me say it again. Where God sees hunger and thirst and willingness to bear reproach for the cross, willingness to be identified with Jesus, willingness to preach the truth without holding back, and to welcome the Holy Spirit, I believe God will move in those places. But be assured, revival will mean reproach. Outpouring of the Spirit 
will mean rejection, misunderstanding. And it's going to come from all sides. It'll come from the hypercritics. It'll come from the world. So be it. You honor Jesus. You keep your eyes on the prize. You go for the lost. You call for repentance in the church. You let the Holy Spirit move. Jesus will be glorified. And some of those who mock will become supporters of what God is doing. 866-34-TRUTH. Oh, I've got a ton more to share with you. I'm just getting started. But let me, let me grab a call first. We'll go to Des Moines, Iowa. Rich, welcome to the line of fire. Good day. Thank you, Dr. Brown. Uh, I've been trying to get a hold of you as amongst other ministers and pastors uh, for some guidance about awakening. I truly believe that I've had an awakening here within the last three months that just sends chills up my spine. Uh, I'm a man in my 50s, born and raised a Christian, a believer, a follower, saved. Yes, over the years, fall off the wagon, you, you kind of go your own way, but always down deep in, I knew and I believe, and, and attending church. And then about three months ago, I'm, I'm sitting in my chair downstairs, and something just wasn't even watching a religious show, and I just said, get up and get up now and get into the Word more. And I have been going to ministers and pastors and preachers here like crazy seeking answers because it is driving me like an addict of drugs. I cannot get enough. I don't know what it is. I've told my wife it's like a fire that I can't put out. And mm. it's, it's almost scared me. Dr. Brown, I constantly listen to not just your show. All day long, Christian radio, uh, in the Word. I've, I've ordered books offline of religious beliefs and, and these things. And uh, I'm constantly finding myself praying about the littlest thing, the biggest thing, every little thing. I come across the thing I'm praying. I, I'm handing out little slips out of the Bible to people everywhere I go. In fact, where my church has doing it one day in there, and they said, no. We don't want you doing that because you might be taken away from our message. And I said, okay, I'm sorry. I'll go outside the church and do that. But I just don't know how to tamper this. And never in my life as a believer and a follower has anything hit me like mm. this. It's, it's, it's just like, it's like God saying, hey, something's going to happen. You need to get right and get it now. But I can't. It, 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 there, there's nights I don't even sleep good because it, and it's all positive. But it's just constantly at my mind that, like, mm. it's like, Something's either going to happen with me or, or something's coming. I don't know, but I just don't know how to explain. I've been trying to get some guidance. I've talked to several yeah, people, and they're like, well, we don't know. Something might be happening with you. Yeah, well, obviously something happened to you, and you are a microcosm of what I'm talking about, that this kind of thing happening in a thousand different places, but to millions of different people all at the same time. So here's what I want to encourage you to do. First, uh-huh. keep riding the wave. As long as the hunger for the sure. Word is there, as long as the hunger for prayer is there, keep riding the wave. Keep telling other people about Jesus. Don't, don't pinch yourself. You know what I'm saying? It's okay. like in a dream yeah. when you're flying. Keep flying. If you got wings, keep flying. That's the first thing. The second thing, don't get hyper about it, meaning, oh, did I pray enough? Did I read enough? Did I share? Just be at peace. Be at peace. The God who okay. lit a fresh fire in you is your heavenly father. He's, he's not a drill sergeant, okay? So be at peace in that regard and enjoy the walk with God. It's like, hey, I don't know how long this is going to last, but I know as long as it lasts, I want to ride it and enjoy it. And when this season is done, I'm going to be a different person. You know, you may not fly like this forever, 
but you'll land running fast. Follow me? You'll, you'll land a different person. And then the last thing is I want you to stay on the line, Rich, and I want to send you a book as a gift. All right, so stay right there. Rachel's going to get your contact info. Everybody else, I highly recommend this book. It's called The Fire That Never Sleeps, Keys to Sustaining Personal Revival. So Rachel's going to get your contact info. We're going to send you this book as a gift, The Fire That Never Sleeps, Keys for Sustaining Personal Revival. Pastor John Kilpatrick and I, together with editor Larry Sparks, put this book together. I think you'll find it super helpful, and it'll speak to you page after page. So again, we'll send it to you, everybody else, The Fire That Never Sleeps, Keys to Sustaining Personal Revival. Friends, something's happening. Something's up. Lord, keep the fire burning and rich. In Jesus' name, we'll be right back. Fire with your host, Dr. Michael Brown. Your voice of moral, cultural, and spiritual revolution. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. Friends, you know, day and night for years, I've been sounding the alarm. It's a major thing I do on radio and articles, writing, books, preaching. That, in that case, for decades, sounding the alarm. The wake-up call within the church, the message of repentance, the urgent need of the hour. And I've also experienced great revival and outpouring, and I feel to the core of my being that we're on the edge of another great move of God across America. And it will come where God sees hunger and thirst and receptivity. It will come where there is openness to the Holy Spirit. It will come when people are willing to stand for what the Word says without compromise. It will come when there's a burden to reach a lost and dying world. God will respond to us according to our hunger and thirst and devotion. And if you're experiencing the same, give me a call, 866-34-TRUTH. If you're seeing that, if you're seeing pockets of awakening and outpouring, 866-34-TRUTH. Speaking of great awakening, Ben Franklin, one of our founding fathers, was not a God mocker, but he was more deistic, believing in a, in a creator but not in the personal God. He was a good friend of George Whitfield and heard the great evangelist preach time and again, but to our knowledge, did not become a convert. Yet, yet look at Franklin's description of the Great Awakening. He said, it, it seemed as if all the world were growing religious, which he meant in a totally positive sense. It seemed as if all the world were growing religious so that one could not walk through the town in the evening without hearing psalms sung in different families every street. Before that, it was normal life. Young people partying, sounds of drunkenness, women afraid to go on the streets because of rape or violence. And here, one could not walk through the town in the evening without hearing psalms sung in different families of every street. Okay, I'm going to play two powerful video clips for you in a moment and then share a bunch of powerful quotes with you. But first, my own story. God saved me in 1971, as many of you know, as a heroin-shooting, LSD-using, hippie, rock drummer, 16-year-old Jewish kid in rebellion. But I was one of a multitude of hippies, radicals, rebels, not just in America, but around the world, who got saved in a real sovereign move of God that we call the Jesus People Movement or the Jesus Revolution. 
If you can access Time Magazine's article on it in June 71, it's an extraordinary read. God really did something, and out of the blue, in the midst of the counterculture revolution and the craziness of the day, began to save people like me, and many of you got saved at that same time, left and right. And, and we got wonderfully saved. And if you got plugged in, if you were in a, a church where you could get plugged in, because many times the, the, the people weren't assimilated, many fell away. But many of us have continued with the Lord all these decades. Many of the leaders I know in Jewish ministry today got saved right within a period of a few years then, and many from similar backgrounds to me. And, and then I, I was on fire. I was in the Word and prayer. By the time I was saved about a year I was spending at least six or seven hours alone with God, undistracted. There were no cell phones then, you know, no, no cable TV, no PCs, tablets. Uh, alone with God, I mean undistracted, six or seven hours every single day. Reading the Word two hours a day, memorizing Scripture one hour a day. It's 20 verses a day. Praying at least three hours a day. Immersed, just sharing the gospel new with someone every day, literally every day. By the time I was saved 10, 11 years, finishing up my PhD work at New York University, married with two kids, now in another church, I was a committed believer. I was serious, but I go a whole year without praying a single hour straight in a day. I go a whole year without fasting. And people knew me as a committed believer. I was not ashamed of the gospel, but I had left my first love, something I did not want to admit. I thought I'd just grown and matured. Well, in a few ways I had, but in others... I'd left my first love, and that was the bigger issue. So in 1982, God put me through a season of repentance and seeking God, and it's very humbling. It's humbling to say I was wrong here. It's humbling to say I, I was off track. It's humbling to say that, that scholarship, which God gave me as a tool, became an idol in my life. But God began to move in my heart, showed me that I would preach a message in our church, which was not Pentecostal, charismatic, like the church where I got saved. I mean, the slightest bit, but not like the church where I got saved. Showed me I'd preach a message there and the Holy Spirit would be poured out. And that's what happened. The pastor had stepped down to get some things in order in his life. He and the other elders were going away. I was the only one basically left in town. One of two, I was asked to preach a particular Sunday. I knew that day God would move. And we had an outpouring that lasted three months and six days. Many lives were impacted. Many lives were changed. The fire fell back in me and changed me. And then there was a conflict. Pastor came back. We had differences he didn't agree with what was happening. I ended up stepping down and leaving. Now I'm on the outside, actually excommunicated for leaving. I mean, it was a difficult time, right? Many years later, the pastor came to me with tears and said, Mike, the next time God moves, I don't want to miss it. But at this time, separated from friends, it's now spring of 83, and hard time for Nancy and me, and I'm in, in travail and prayer. I mean, gripped in prayer and agony of prayer. And in ways I'd never experienced before. And I hear the Lord say to me, that inner voice, you'll be in a revival, which I understood. I'll, I'll be a leader in a revival. I'll touch the whole world. I thought, you're, you're crazy. Mike, you are crazy. What? Now you say, but no, but look what everything happened. Okay, this is many years later these things happened. And many years later... God connected me with people like Leonard Ravenhill and David Wilkerson. Many years later, put me in the, the thick of the Brownsville Revival. And from there, people came from over 130 nations. To this day, a missions movement thriving in many nations of the world birthed out of that. But this was years before this. And I, I thought, you're losing it, man. You're crazy. You were deceived. But the more I prayed and the more I pressed into God, the more I'd hear it. 
And, and then God began to unfold things in my life, called me to teach at a Bible school in Long Island. And then as I would preach, I'd see God move, but I knew he promised me something's going to happen far bigger than anything I've ever seen, something historic, and I'm going to be right in the thick of it. Wherever I go preach, I'd think, okay, maybe it's going to happen here. Maybe it's going to happen there. Maybe this will be the place where the Spirit falls. And, and if so, we've got to stop and just stay here. I mean, that's how I lived for years, fasting, crying out, seeking God. And then God connected me supernaturally with Leonard Ravenhill, author of Why Revival Towers. If you never read that book, it'll rock your world. Just the first couple of chapters will rock your world. And he lived, but he preached. God connected me with David Wilkerson, began preaching at Times Square Church. I knew God's going to do it. Something's going to happen. And then began to hear about streams of refreshing and renewal in different places. And I rejoiced, but I said, there's more. There's something deeper. I know God promised it. I know, I know what it is. It's repentance-based. It's holiness-based. It's going for the lost. And in March of, of 95, my book, From Holy Laughter to Holy Fire, America on the Edge of Revival, that book came out. And the book was saying, we're right on the edge. We've got to prepare the way for divine visitation. And, and the last three words of the book are, are you ready? I knew something was at the door. And then three months later, revival began in Brownsville, a little neighborhood in Pensacola, Florida. Church historian Vincent Sinan called it the, the longest running local church revival in American history. And out of that ministry's birth, people transformed school of ministry birth, missions movement birth, people touched around the world. To this day, so this is 95, now we're in 2021. To this day, as I travel around the world, I meet people who tell me how their life was changed, how they were transformed back then. There was a powerful song that was sung in the revival, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me. I wanna take you back into a service as this is being sung Worship leader Lendl Cooley, whose heart is burning bright for revival and visitation to this moment. I want you to hear this, and, and then I'm going to pause for a moment, and, and he's going to share something very powerful. But let's just go back into the service. A spirit of the sovereign Lord is being sung. This is So it's a powerful song. This is the year of the favor of the Lord. This is the time of God's moving. But normally what happens before you see the real thing happen, despair sets in, questions set in. Is it real? That, that the promise gets delayed. It's almost always the way it happens. It's what happened with me when God promised me something in 83 and it wasn't until 96 that I saw it realized. Along the way, you question and Lendl shares something very, very powerful, and I believe it is super applicable again today. Let's, let's listen once more. For so many years, we the church have cowered in the corner. As people ask us, where is your God? Where are his mighty acts? Where are the things that happen in the word of God? Where are the great miracles? And it seems for the last several years we've just been a shell of what we could be for the Lord. 
And many of us begin to wonder and ask questions in ourselves. Is it really real anymore? Does God still do it? He is the Lord God Almighty. He moves in His time. He moves on His clock. He doesn't move according to what we want or when we want it, but He moves when He's ready to move. And the Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon us today because He has anointed us to preach good news. Yes, it is. The Spirit of the Sovereign God is upon us because He has anointed us to preach good People wondering, is it real? Is it real? Is the God of the Bible really there? Is it all true? Is it times like that? Then God says, yes, it's real. We'll be right back. It's the Line of Fire with your host, activist, author, international speaker, and theologian, Dr. Michael Brown. Your voice of moral, cultural, and spiritual revolution. Get into the line of fire now by calling 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. Friends, share this broadcast with your friends. Send it to your pastor, other leaders. Share it with one another. Encourage each other. 2 Chronicles 16, 9. The eyes of the Lord go to and fro throughout the whole earth that he might stand in strong support of those whose hearts are wholly his. Jesus says in Matthew 5, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, they shall be filled. John 7, Jesus says, If anyone's thirsty, let him come to me and drink. God will respond to the cries of his people. Go into the phones in a moment, but look at this testimony from 1859 in Coleraine, Ireland, as recounted by Arthur Wallace. A, a young boy had testified in school that Jesus had changed him. What happens next? Boy after boy rose and silently left the room. When the master investigated what was happening to his class, he found these boys ranged alongside of the wall of the playground, everyone apart on his knees. Their silent prayers soon became a bitter cry, which brought conviction to those inside, not only the other boys, but to the girls' schoolroom above. Soon the whole school was on its knees, and its wail of distress brought people flocking in from the street who, as they crossed the threshold, came under the same convicting power. Every room was filled with men, women, and children seeking God. And how about what happened to Evan Roberts, 26-year-old coal miner who got desperately hungry for revival in awakening 
in Wales in 1904. God found a contrite young man in Wales while preparing himself for the ministry of this 26-year-old coal miner heard an evangelist pray, Lord, do this, this, and this, and bend us. The words bend us became etched on his mind. Soon after, he became consumed. He tells the story. He says, I fell on my knees. He was in Bible school. He said, I fell on my knees with my arms over the seat in front of me. My face was bathed in perspiration and the tears flowing in streams that I thought it must be blood gushing forth. For about two minutes, it was terrible. I cried out, bend me, bend me, bend us. Oh, 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 oh. The question, what, what was it that bent him so? It was God's commending his love, which bent me. He said, well, I saw nothing in it to commend. He was bent by amazing grace. Then he said, the fearful bending of the judgment day came to my mind, and I was filled with compassion for those who must bend at the judgment. And, and I wept. And Evan Roberts continued to pray, bend the church, save the world. And in less than 12 months in Wales, of 100,000 were saved. The rest is history, friends. I believe all over America, God is ready to move where he finds hunger and thirst and people serious about him. I quoted my friend Keith Collins earlier. Keith, welcome to the broadcast. Thanks for calling in. Hey, man. Thanks, Mike. Good to be on with you today. Yeah, so what's going on? Just, you know, as I'm listening to you today, and I obviously listen to you pretty often, um, you know, obviously this subject is near and dear to your heart and my heart. And really all of us that were in the midst of the Brownsville Revival. Um, but really as I'm traveling and I'm, I'm on the road quite a bit again, most weeks I'm out. It's just, it's, it's very evident to me that leaders as well as, you know, people that are attending their churches and their gatherings, they, there, there's a different level of hunger that I'm encountering than even pre the pandemic situation. There's just um, almost like a, I know you've preached on holy desperation and taught on that for years, but there's almost like this unusual desperation that I'm coming in contact with in most of the gatherings. And listening to the leaders, you know, just continually hear, hear them saying now, we've we've tried the church growth stuff, we've tried what, whatever, whether it be multiple services, doing different things, trying to attract people, but now they're desperate for God because they're losing their kids, they're losing their grandkids, they're losing their communities. So there's this this thing that's taking place that I believe the Lord is is in control of, and he's arresting hungry hearts, as I've not seen really since we saw what we saw in Pensacola back in the Brownsville days. Mm. And Keith, are you seeing it, not just the leaders that are hungering, but young people also? Young people, and a lot of young adults, um, you know, 20s, you know, these type of people, people that have been, you know, under a certain mindset with regard to, to modern culture, but when the Lord is arresting them, it's like they really see it and they really experience it. And they're, they're getting, as the evangelist Steve Hill used to say, they're getting so saved. Mm. And um, so, yeah, we're seeing that with, with young people as well. And, you know, I'm just, obviously, I'm always driven by these themes, and these things are always near and dear to my heart. I pray about them, preach about them, write about them. But, you know, I'm really beginning to experience exactly what you're talking about. Actually, I'm recording a podcast tomorrow morning. And this is this is the theme that's really on my heart to um, to talk about on my podcast this week. So God's definitely up to something supernatural for sure. Yeah, and, and Keith, uh, I'm watching churches in different parts of the nation being impacted. People taking ministry on the streets. I'm hearing the stories. I know as I've been seeking God privately that that He's stirring my heart. 
look, we cry out, but then he has to do something. He, he has to, we present the match, but he, he has to do that thing that, that ignites it. And it's time. It's absolutely time. Something's at the door. Hey, Keith, I didn't know you were going to call in, but I wrote the foreword to one of your books, and the book really stirred me in writing the book. What's the title of that book for our listeners? That, that book is called Samuel's Arising, and then the sub, subtitle is Waking Up to God's Prophetic Call. Yeah, it, it's a great revival book for, for all the Samuels in this generation, Samuel's Arising by Keith Collins. Hey, Keith, keep the fire burning. Amen. Thank you so much. God bless. God bless. All right, let's see if I can get to one more call. Uh, we'll go over to Gerald in Durham, North Carolina. Thanks for calling the line of fire. Thank you, Dr. Moore. I've listened to you quite often, and today's broadcast really... Hello? Are you there? Yes, hello? Yeah, yeah, go ahead, please. Okay, I listen to you quite often, and my church, uh, we've got quite a few there that listen to you, but in 1983, I was a good guy, and then I lost my mother to cancer at the funeral home. All of a sudden, a voice behind me said, you'll never see her again. Within a month, I was gloriously saved, and within three years, I had three different ministries. I did the tape ministry, the bus ministry, and for some reason, I wound up head of the Royal Ranger ministry for 30 years. In the mid-90s, I went to Belize and worked at a children's home as a missionary for three years. And fully thinking that I was doing everything I could for God and working, just fulfilling God's will for my life. But last year, February 28th, we had a little prayer meeting after our Bible study. I was at the altar, and suddenly these words in a song came out that Jesus is forever mine and I am yours forever. And I'd never actually said that to God. I'd never made that total commitment. And at that moment, all of a sudden, a freshness, um, newness, and everything else went all over me. And, you know, we started, uh, we're getting ready to start a prayer ministry with a prayer tent in Durham. I've been working with the homeless for a little over six, seven months, and I'm seeing more and more homeless people getting on fire for the Lord and coming there and getting fed and getting fed with the Word and everything is just working mm. so gloriously. But I've had a sense of anticipation ever since I got saved, and I've just been looking and looking for God to come down and do a great work. And then all of a sudden, you know, He's going to Muslim people in the Middle East with angels and telling them where to get Bibles and how to get saved and, you know, I know we're doing going to places we can go, but still, yeah. well, you know, he's Gerald, doing what yeah, he's doing. yeah, just just to jump in, it, you know, the amazing thing is that we can be walking with the Lord for years, and then He brings us into a whole deep new place. It's like people would come to Brownsville. Pastors would tell me, and I've often shared this with you, that they were bringing their church people to Brownsville. They come down on a few buses, you know, drive for hours and hours, and because the church people needed it. The people needed it. They were good. Pastors were good. You know, the church people needed it. And then the first one responded to the altar after Steve preaches, you know, to get the sin out and get compromised out as the pastor. You, you think you got to humble yourself when you get your whole church there and you're the first one running to the altar, but you were so God conscious, you didn't care about what the people said. And then they tell us afterwards, years later, 
I felt like I got born again all over again. So, Gerald, it seems that, that you've just got a, a revelation of Jesus and who he is and what it means to belong to him beyond anything you've ever seen. Keep making him central, man. Keep lifting him up and making him central. God bless you. Uh, let me say this, friends. You can have controversy without revival, but you can't have revival without controversy. Every time God has moved in history, there's been controversy. Jesus coming into this world, Simeon prophesies over him that he'll be a sign spoken against, that the thoughts of many hearts would be revealed. He's destined for the falling and rising of many in Israel. When the Holy Spirit was poured out at Shavuot, at the time and season we're in now, the Feast of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit was poured out, what happens at the outpouring there in Acts 2? Some of the crowd hears God's praises in their own language. Some says the people are drunk. But what does Peter do? He explains what's happening, but then he doesn't preach tongues. He doesn't preach fire. He doesn't preach wind. He doesn't preach manifestations. He preaches Jesus crucified and risen and calls the people to repent and then promises them the Holy Spirit. So friends, I'm urging you right now, cry out to God wherever you are. Look, I've been on daily radio for 13 years now. I'm not into hype. I'm not into emotionalism, but I'm telling you, God's up to something. Something's going on. He's looking for hungry, thirsty hearts. Say, Lord, start a fresh work in me. Lord, revive me. Lord, burn the dross, the compromise, the sin, the blindness, the unbelief out of me, the worldliness, the fear, man. Burn it out of me, Lord. Restore me to my first love, Lord. Give me a burning passion for you. Let that be your prayer. It's a prayer God will answer. Another program powered by the Truth Network.